This is the Action Network Podcast. But this one is good. Ready? All right, here we go. From the 10, throwing end zone. Spectacular catch. They're saying it's a catch. Touchdown. See, most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. Oh, my God. That's incredible. Big bank, small bank, I like to make money. All right. That is the ultimate kibosh. You want to bet? <laughs> and we are underway. Hello and welcome to the Action Network podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Anderson, here as always with Raheem Palmer to catch you up on a weird, weird week nine day of football results. Upset Palooza today in the early Sunday window. Seven teams that entered the day in the playoff picture played. Six of them lost, and the seventh one almost did too in overtime. More upsets later in the day. Up is down, left is right. Raheem, what in the wide world of football happened today? To me, the NFL happened. This is the NFL I've been waiting for all season long. We've had all these big favorites covering every single week, and finally the last two weeks we've had things come back to normal. This is the, this is the NFL. Any given Sunday, any one of these teams can lose. And, you know, through the first seven, seven, eight weeks of the season, we didn't have a favorite over like seven points or more lose outright. And I, I think it, the first one was last week against the Cincinnati, Bang- Cincinnati Bengals and the, and the New York Jets. So we're finally starting to see some of these teams come come down to earth. So I like it. Like th- this is what makes the NFL exciting. that Anything can happen. Do you like it as a fan or do you like it as a better or both? I think both as a better, because I think, one of the things that you learn, like when I when you first start betting on the NFL, is you learn that these teams, just because they're good, they're not going to go 16 and 0, 17 and 0. They're going to have their down spots. And you start to learn that, you know, this is a bad spot for this team, or you got to fade them because it's just too many points. And I think through the first seven, seven weeks of the season, it was just like these teams weren't losing. Like if you look at some of the survivor pools, like, like half the survivor pools got knocked out last week because every single week these big favorites were covering. So I, I like I like weeks like this. Yeah, I'm gonna go on a limb and suggest this probably was not the best week for your survivor pool. Survivor pools took massive hits all over the board today. So if you survived this one, you are in pretty good shape in your survivor pool. Uh, we're gonna talk about all the upsets. We'll talk about Monday Night Football later on and get our Week Ten hot read picks in there. As always, odds to there from BetMGM, the official odds provider of the Action Network podcast. So we're going to start with what we thought was the one really great game today. My Minnesota Vikings on the road in Baltimore. That one ended up closing as Baltimore a seven-point favorite. Uh, the Vikings were up big, two touchdowns multiple different times. Ravens came all the way back. This one went to overtime. And of course... My Vikings losing overtime by a field goal, as we do, 34-31. So way over on this one. The Vikings did cover, but that doesn't help us very much in the playoff standings. So you and I went head-to-head on this one when we previewed a little bit. I was in on the Ravens. You were on the Vikings. What, how, what did you make of your read? Is this what you expected from this game? Oh, this is exactly what I expected. To be honest, I actually thought that the Vikings would win this game outright until I was watching the game and I actually took some Baltimore Ravens live. But this was the, the classic spot where you see a team let down on Sunday night football and the public pushes this line up from five and a half to seven. And my model actually made this around four and a half. So when you look at this Ravens team, they actually, they're the worst in the league in terms of giving up passing yards. And you knew that with the playmakers that they had in Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen, they were going to be able to create some plays. And Kirk Cousins has had a solid season. And obviously, Justin Jefferson, he only had three three receptions and 69 yards, but he had the, the one long touchdown um, catch. Adam Thielen didn't do much, but you just figured that they could make some plays. So I kind of got what I expected. And then obviously, Mike Zimmer is still a solid defensive coach. I think one of the things that the biggest thing is that surprised me is that the Baltimore Ravens is that they continue to come back from these deficits. Like, what do you think about that? Cause it's like our, our yeah. whole thought process on the Ravens is that <laughs> they can't fight their way back. And now they're doing it. Yeah. This is their third double digit comeback this season. They were down 14 multiple times in this game. And yeah, it, it, it went from early in this season 
both of us feeling like, all right, you know, the Ravens aren't built to play from behind to, I didn't even flinch in this game. I was like, yeah, okay. I like the Ravens anyways. And I don't mind that they're behind Minnesota scored early. The Owls scored early. The Vikings had 14 of the first two drives and then three points of offense, the whole rest of the game until the final drive. This is what Minnesota does. And the Ravens have shown that they're, they're not really going to back away from that. Like I, I think that narrative about Lamar Jackson and the Ravens not playing from behind, I think it's dead. Like it's, it's dead, dead at this point. And, and, you know, you and I, right, we're on it. So we're, we're guilty of it, but it's time to put that to bed. Honestly, as a Vikings fan and as a better, it is hard for me to get anything more wrong than this game. So I said, one of the things I thought was a big hidden advantage here was special teams. The Vikings are near the bottom of the league in special teams, have been for a few years. John Harbaugh and the Ravens always near the top. They're number one DVOA. So what happens? The Vikings return the opening second half of the kickoff touchdown all the way and they converted a fake punt so big special teams advantage to minnesota not baltimore i thought the ravens run deep or run game was going to gash the vikings instead dalvin cook 17 carries 110 yards i think that was the biggest run game baltimore allowed all season uh, even got to overtime and at this point the ravens had just been like just controlling the game against minnesota like i know this went to overtime but you know, look at the stats. Minnesota had 13 first downs, Baltimore 36. Minnesota ran 52 plays to 89 for Baltimore. And mostly that was the second half. I even tweeted in overtime. So the Ravens get the ball, they win the toss. And I just think it's over. Ravens have just been controlling it. The Vikings defense is gassed. So I even tweet out, Minnesota's not getting the ball back. What happens? The very next play, Lamar Jackson gets picked off and Minnesota gets the ball back and a gift chance to win. Three and out, one yard, back to Baltimore, game over. I mean, do, do you think, so the, the, stats, the stats make this not even close, not even a little close. The stats make it look like Baltimore should have won by multiple touchdowns. Do you think that this was close, or do you think that this is more what the stats are showing? I think it was a tell of two hats. Like you saw the, the Vikings defense wear down as the game went on in the, in the end of the third quarter, the fourth quarter, it was just like the Vikings just had nothing left. And I still think Mike Zimmer is still too conservative. When you look at their early rush, they had a 29% success rate, but they ran on early downs 21 times compared to early pass, early pass. They passed 17 times had an early down success rate of 41%. So this is a team that's just far too conservative. And when you look at this Ravens defense, the, the struggle, they struggled to stop the pass. So I, I just don't understand Mike Zimmer. And I think at some point he's kind of worn out his welcome. He's, he's really got to go. Yeah. I mean, I said coming into this game, I thought the Ravens might win big. Really. I thought they would do what the stats show they did. I just thought the winning margin would reflect that. And that this might be the game finally that pushed over the edge. Instead, the Vikings keep hanging around. Like they here's the season. Now the Vikings, Lost by three in the opener. They lost by one. They, they beat Seattle by 13, which was weird, whatever. They lost to Cleveland, 14 to seven. They beat the Lions by two, only because they barely survived at the last second. They beat Carolina in overtime. And then they lost by four to a backup quarterback. And now they lost by three. That's losses by three, one, seven, four, and three, plus two other games that came down to literally the last play. It's just every, somebody tweeted, the Vikings could play the 2007 Patriots one week and the 2008 Lions the next week. And somehow both games would come down to the last play. And like, honestly, that feels right. I, I don't know how this team plays so up and so down based on whoever they're, they're facing each week. I, I think honestly, this is probably one of the best three and five teams I've ever seen. <laughs> like, uh, because they should have beat Arizona. Like Arizona yeah. is dominant and they dominated that game and they still lost. When you, I mean, obviously they had the letdown spot against the Cowboys, but for the most part, they've played solid games every single week and just can't close. So, I mean, you are what your record is. And I think it's, it's pretty clear that they're a team that just can't close games. Yeah, this was, a, this was a really big opportunity too. Aaron Rodgers is out, maybe multiple games. The Saints lost, the Panthers lost. Those are the teams the Vikings are competing for in the division and in the wildcard race. This should have been, you know, the Vikings are up multiple scores in the second half here. 
Like this should have been a huge opportunity for Minnesota to get a big win, you know, really get that, like the one big win of the season and kind of put a statement on things. And instead, you know, we mentioned that opening window, all the playoff teams, but one loss. This was the one, this was the one that Minnesota let get away here. I, I will say this coolest thing that happened all day for me. This has nothing to do with betting, but I'm watching the Vikings game. I'm just sitting here in Chicago watching the Vikings game. And you know, it's, it's veterans day coming up. So we saw on a lot of the games, camouflage hoodies, and we saw different like military people on the games. So coming in out of commercial break, middle of the second quarter, they show, you know, sometimes they show like people serving the military overseas and they're like watching the game or that sort of thing. So they cut to overseas and here's a man and a woman serving overseas. They don't tell us where this is my best friend from childhood. Like the guy that I've spent all like all my life playing Vikings games in the front yard. Like I'm throwing him out to the, to the sidewalk, Chris Carter, Randy Moss catching. And suddenly here's my best friend on TV, you know, like doing, I like that. You like that from Kirk cousins. So that was very cool. Thank you, military for serving. Thank you, Adam for serving. I know he listens to this sometimes. So as a Vikings fan, as a better, this was all wrong for me, but I at least got that moment out of this game. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was a great game. Probably, probably the best game of the day. I've really enjoyed the game and not just from a betting perspective, but it was, it was very entertaining. Yeah, for sure. B- big win for the Ravens. They have to be a serious one seed threat now, I think. And I'm curious what you think, too, about let's talk about the MVP race just for a minute or two. So I know you've been in on Lamar Jackson a little bit. He somehow is still only the seventh favorite for MVP. He's 12 to one right now at BetMGM. Rough day for MVP candidates. Kyler is out. Rogers is out. Josh Allen sucked and took the loss. Dak, Dak Prescott sucked and took the loss. Matt Stafford sucked and took the loss. So Brady and Allen are pretty close to co-favorites now. Kyler not too far behind. Stafford, Rogers, Dak Prescott, and then Lamar is 12 to 1. I feel like there's some value on Lamar. Don't you think so? I definitely think there's some value on Lamar. I mean, and then when you look at the fact that he's leading all these comeback victories, and you said it a couple of weeks ago, you felt like the you were kind of out on the Ravens because they had to rely on Lamar so much. But it's just under pressure. He's pulling out these wins. And like I said before, this Ravens defense isn't what they were. They're, they're giving up the most pass yards in the NFL. And Lamar is just bailing them out. So he has to be in an MVP race. And I think it's worth a flyer to, to bet him. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. that That's the flip side to my same argument. If it's all on you, you have a great chance to get the MVP if you come through. Like, he's going to keep getting these opportunities because – you know, especially like in this game, when the game script turned negative and it was like, okay, Lamar, just do some stuff. We need to you save us now. And I was like, oh, okay, I'll do that. I'll just run over here and pass over here and run for the first down and catch us up. And like monster fantasy game, hundred yards rushing, three touchdowns, just doing what he does. It's just another game for Lamar Jackson. So I do think that he's an interesting name there. All right. Let's talk about the stink of the week. Smell it, smell it, smell it. It's the smell. It's quite pungent. Dude, plug your nose. It stinks. This is your stink of the week. Because pretty much this week's stink of the week is every NFL team that we thought was supposed to be good. Today was upset Palooza. If you were a favorite in the NFL, you are the stink of the week. We had favorites lose today. Like you said, favorites have barely been losing. We had favorites of five and a half, six and a half, seven. 10 and 16 points lost today. Five money line underdogs of 200 uh, plus 200 or longer one. So that's Falcons at plus 240, Jaguars plus 750, Broncos plus 375, Cardinals plus 210, Titans plus 275. If you are a crazy person and parlayed those five teams on the money line, you got a 1600 to one parlay. $100 better if you bet Falcons, Jaguars, Broncos, Cards, Titans on the money line. $100 better is up $159,582 today. It's ridiculous. So we want to just talk through, we, we normally don't do so many games, but Raheem and I want to talk through just each of these games a little quicker. Why did the upset happen? And is there anything to make of it? Or is this just the NFL and things went crazy? So Raheem and I talked about Browns, Bengals on Friday. That was one of our big previews. 
not close. A lot of these games, not actually that close or exciting. Browns 41-16. Browns are two-point underdogs and obviously got the win. Reem, we both like the Browns a lot in this one. Is this about what you expected coming in? I mean, I didn't expect a, a, a dominant blowout performance, but I, I did expect the defense to show up. Obviously, the Cincinnati Bengals, they have problems protecting the quarterback. This is the Bengals' offensive line, which is just 29th in pass block win rate and 24th in adjusted sack rate. And I knew that Miles Garrett in this Cleveland's offensive line, I mean, defensive line would cause some, some issues. They have five sacks. So it's like that was big. They forced Joe Burrow into two interceptions. And I think one of the things that we forget is the NFL is a week-by-week league. So this Cincinnati Bengals team, they weren't projected to be one of the best teams in the, in the AFC North, but the, the Browns were. If you looked at the preseason look-ahead line, this line was minus four and a half for the Browns. Wow. And at some point, we're looking at plus two and a half for the Browns, and it, it just felt like the perfect spot to buy low on this team. Obviously, Baker Mayfield and Odell Beckham have had their issues in, as far as chemistry. And Baker went out there and he played one of his best games of the season, 14 to 21, 218 yards, two touchdowns. He became, he had a perfect quarterback re- rating in the third quarter. So it, it's just, he played a great game. And sometimes the NFL games take a life of their own. I don't think you're going to see a 41 to 16 game between these two teams again, but that's what happens in the NFL. Yeah, I think my takeaway from this game is kind of what you're saying. I want to not overreact to the Bengals here. And now you're going to laugh at me because I said some crazy things about them last week when they lost to the Jets. But it's like, okay, two weeks ago, the Bengals had their huge win over the Ravens and they were at the highest high. Then they lost to the Jets and it's their lowest low. I don't, I'm not so worried about this game for them. So 41 to 16 looks like an absolute beatdown. But so first drive of the game, Bengals get the ball. They drive right down the field. They're about to score. And then Denzel Ward picks it off at the goal line, returns it 99 for a touchdown. That's a 14-point swing right there. Like, you can't get any better, bigger swing than that play. We know that that happens. It's almost impossible to win a game when you get a pick six, like a 14-point swing like that. Like, that's just what history tells us. So that's huge. Besides that, though, this game was – the stats are, are pretty equal. The Bengals actually had 25 first downs, only 14 for Cleveland. They had 10 more minutes of the ball. Uh, Burrow had two interceptions. That was the problem. Bengals had three turnovers and two turnovers on down. So, you know, the Browns just made the big plays here. And that matters, you know, big plays win in the NFL. Nick Chubb had a 70-yard touchdown. Uh, Donald Peoples-Jones had a 60-yard touchdown. They had that pick six. But really the turnovers just set Cleveland up to really run up the score here. I think this, to me, puts Cincinnati in a great by-low spot going forward because, you know, again, they were probably never as good at, like, what, what wasn't it like 40, 41 to 17 that win over the Ravens, and now they hit the flip side, 41-16 on the other side, and it's the same sort of game where it was never really quite that dominant. And so I think that there's going to be a chance to kind of like, all right, buy back in now in the Bengals. Two weeks ago, they were the AFC one seed. Now they're the longest odds in the division. So life comes fast, but I, I don't, I think I'm all right on Cincinnati here. Do you think, uh, am I right about that? Yeah, I think they're, they're a playoff team. It, I mean, it's pretty clear that they're not the best team in the division. Good, but they're a playoff team. And I, I think that's, that's kind of how you have to look at this team going forward. All right. Let's talk about the Falcons saints. So this one ended 27, 25 and the saints took the lead. Got the lead with a touchdown with uh, just a little bit left, but then Atlanta had the ball back. Matt Ryan hits Cordero Patterson down the sideline, and the Falcons walk off with the field goal for the win. So that's another one of our big upsets. Six and a half point underdogs for Atlanta, plus 240. And Atlanta actually moves into the seventh seed now. The Atlanta Falcons are a playoff team at the midseason point. Did you get more out of this game for the Saints or for the Falcons? For me, look, the Saints, I have no idea how you're laying six and a half points with Trevor Simeon. I think that was one of the more confusing things. This Saints team has just been up and down all year. You kind of don't know what you're going to get from them. They've been a solid defense. I think that was the more disappointing thing, is that I didn't expect this defense to, to, to roll over the way they did today. Matt Ryan went out there, 343 yards, two touchdowns, 20 of 30, 30 passing completions. So it's just that was the thing that it was just like, all right, this is kind of shocking for me. But besides that, I'm not surprised. But 
anytime the Falcons go out there, they were 71% success rate on early downs as far as passing. If the Saints can't win with defense, I don't know what they're going to do. Yeah, I, don't, I have no idea what to make of the Falcons. I was finally in on them again last week against Carolina. Like, okay, the offense is figuring things out. They're, Arthur Smith, here we go. And then they laid a complete egg against Carolina. So then I was like, all right, well, maybe I should be back out. I ended up taking Atlanta in this one just because what you said, six and a half, seven points in a division game, letdown spot for New Orleans coming off their big win over Tampa. Like Atlanta was the obvious play here, but you know, they, they were up 24 to six and then almost blew it too. Like it just, neither one of these teams seems super reliable right now. I'll say too, rough under, if you've had this one, this game was three, nothing, 10 seconds before halftime. And the, the total is 43. So Atlanta gets a touchdown. It's still 17-7 going to the fourth quarter and then 32 points in the last quarter to go to go easily over here. So that was rough. But yeah, I uh, both of these teams are in the playoffs right now. If the playoffs started today, and obviously both these teams are on the road as wild cards, you got to put money on one of their money lines to win a game. Which team do you think has a better shot to win a playoff game right now? I'm going with the Saints. I think you got to trust the team with the better defense. And to me, Sean Payton has the proven track record as a head coach. I still don't trust this Falcons defense. They're one of the worst in the league. So I got to go with the Saints, even though they have the worst quarterback. I, I think I might take the Falcons. Wow. <laughs> uh, I the, It's it's the quarterback thing. It's, it's the playoffs. And am I really taking Trevor Simeon on the road in a playoff game? I just don't know if I could do it. And I think here's the thing: you're not taking, you're not necessarily taking Trevor Simeon. You got to remember that a playoff game, you, you, you're probably taking Taysom Hill, so he's probably going to be playing these minutes, and you're probably going to have to deal with a run-heavy attack with Alvin Kamara and Taysom Hill and whatever Sean Payton schemes up. And we all know that Matt Ryan is a statue behind a not great offensive line, and this defense, look, they just gave up. They were up twenty-four to six and, and, and gave up a giant lead to Trevor Simeon. So what does that say about this defense? Yeah, it, it, it says, it says all you need to know. It's, it's not great. I think for me, you'd rather have the defense and just enough run game and try to eke out an ugly win. I think I'd rather have Matt Ryan and just hope that hopefully Calvin Ridley comes back and hopefully I can just outpass and outscore the other team. I think we're both losing our money though, right? Yeah. I think we agree we're losing our money. <laughs> Oh, yeah, without a doubt. <laughs> We're definitely losing. <laughs> All right, so the big upset of the day, biggest upset of the season so far, not the sexiest game on the slate, Bills at Jaguars. This game closed as Jaguars were a 16-point dog. We literally didn't get 16 points in the game. Jaguars won 9-6. to six. That is the real score. This is the Josh Allen game. Somehow Josh Allen, Bills quarterback, got sacked by Josh Allen, edge rusher for the Jaguars, and intercepted by Josh Allen, and fumble recovery by Josh Allen on Josh Allen. So that was fun. <laughs> oh, but yeah. Did, well, what, what did you make of this game? That This was an absolute egg that the Bills laid today. The Bills have just been struggling offensively, and I think we saw some of that in their game against the Miami Dolphins, and it continued here. And it's, it's, it's really problematic because – we were just talking about Josh Allen as an MVP candidate and in two out of the last three games, he's really struggled. He's had some bad turnovers. He has some turnovers against the Titans and maybe that might, that game against the Titans, it probably looks a lot different now based on what the Titans are doing. Yeah. But it's this, this Bill's offense has to get it together. They, they, they were missing two starting linemen, right tackle, Spencer Brown, guard, John Felich, Ciano, and Josh Allen really struggled under pressure going into the fourth quarter. Allen was pressured on 14 of 38 dropbacks, which is 30%, 37%. And he went two for nine for nine yards, one interception and three sacks. So under pressure, he's really been struggling. So the Bills kind of got to get things together on that end. Otherwise, I, I don't know if this team is the contender that people thought they were after beating the Chiefs. So, I mean, they do have a – they have the Jets coming up next, so that's a good buy-low spot. But yeah. – I'm a little concerned for this team going forward, especially when you see how well the Patriots are playing. Yeah, it's kind of crazy to me that Josh Allen is still right now, after all these games, still the favorite to win MVP. Like, what has this guy done to be the MVP favorite right now? He hasn't been good this whole season. Like, 
we decided coming into the season that Josh Allen was one of the MVP favorites. He was, you know, near the top of the list last year. And it feels like this is entirely about Buffalo's record being good. And, you know, Buffalo still right now is the Super Bowl favorite. Like they're, they're the favorite to win the whole thing. They just lost the Jaguars. Urban Myers fighting Jaguars. And they're still the favorites to win the Super Bowl. And they're still the favorite to win MVP, Josh Allen. I understand still being the favorite in the AFC just because the AFC seems so blown up wide open. But Josh Allen winning MVP seems bonkers to me. Like he was bad today. He, he had the two interceptions, 5.6 yards per attempt against the worst defense, passing defense in the league by DVOA. It's, it hasn't looked good. Like the passing offense has never clicked. They can't run the ball at all. Like, am I crazy? Why is Josh Allen the MVP favorite? I don't see it at all. And I think maybe it has something to do with just the, the, the three game stretch between Washington, Houston, and Kansas city. That's the only thing that, and maybe they just haven't adjusted well enough yet, but I mean, it's clear that that's not going to be the case for too much longer. Maybe Josh Allen MVP is the one on the Jacksonville team that had the sack and the interception. <laughs> it, maybe if we if click on Josh Allen, you get both of those. Maybe we get both of those. Maybe that's the deal. Uh, yeah, that's hilarious. <laughs> so I looked it up. So 16 point underdogs or longer. This is our fourth underdog of 16 or longer since 2003 in our Action Lab database that has won the game. So here's what I want to ask you a little trivia for you. This is the fourth straight year we've had a 16 point underdog win a game. Do you remember any of the three from the last three years? I don't remember any of them. I'm not even going to lie to you. <laughs> <laughs> so here, here they are. Last year, Jets over Rams. That one was in late December, I think by a field goal. The year before, Dolphins over Patriots. I believe that was the week 17 game when Tannehill beat uh, Tom Brady. And that was kind of the beginning of the end there. And then the one before that was Buffalo over Minnesota. That was the one that uh, Buffalo was on the right side of that one. And they absolutely trashed my Vikings. They won by like a couple touchdowns on that one. So. This is the fourth biggest upset on the books in the NFL since 2003. Interestingly, though, if you bet anytime there's a 16 point or longer underdog, if you just bet them blindly since 2018, they're four and 16 straight up. But that has an ROI of 86% because the Jaguars are plus 750 in this game. So I don't know. What do you think? Are you willing to just start blindly betting these 16 plus underdogs and just following the ROI where it's going? The NFL is crazy. Um, I'm not necessarily because I, I think I think the chasm between the haves and the haves not have, have really grown. And so I'm not willing to necessarily do that. But I like I've always kind of followed the philosophy that I typically don't bet a lot of double digit favorites in the NFL. So a lot of times I'm tending to look looking dog or pass. For me, it's all about analyzing everything. And I want to know what's the spot is this team dealing with injuries is there, there has to be a reason for it. It can't, I can't do things blind. Yeah. That's the thing is that this one just did not have a reason. I actually, the bills covering the 14 and a half when I bet it and then 16, when it closed, that was one of my favorite plays of the day. So not just winning, but winning comfortably by, you know, all Buffalo's wins have been 15 points or more. So they have five wins by that many points. So you know, even when it started slow, I was willing to still bet on Buffalo because that was the case last week. And then they still ended up just blowing, you know, the Dolphins out, I think. So to me, this game kind of gets lost a little bit in some of the other bigger looking upsets just because it's like, ah, oh, nine to six so is a boring, awful game. I think this is the one upset that matters the most in the end, just because Buffalo, this is three losses now. So they're a little bit behind in the one seed race, behind the Ravens, behind the Titans, all three losses in the AFC too. And that's an important tiebreaker if it comes down to it. Buffalo is supposed to be the Super Bowl favorite. And I think that their path to the one seed just got a lot harder with this loss today. Like this is as much of a gimme win as you get in the NFL. And they just, they should have had it. You got to show up for these games. This to me is a game that suddenly means you have to play an extra playoff game because you're not the one seed and you got to play a next game on the road because you're not the one seed. That's the cost of losing to Jacksonville like this. It, am I overstating it or do you think it could be a pretty big deal here? I do think it's a pretty big deal, but I think there's a broader picture here. And it, it, the, the picture is the AFC isn't good. Like, I mean, when you look at the Titans right now, and I do think you got to give some Titans some credit, but they ran through a murderer's row of opponents. They're seven and two right now. 
they're the number one seed right now over everybody. And then it's the Ravens and the Chargers and the Bills. But when you look at all these teams, they're all flawed. So I think right now you got to be looking out at the NFC for who's going to be the Super Bowl champion. Cause I, I just, I don't really respect any of these AFC teams right now. Yeah. And what's weird is 11 of the 16 AFC teams are over 500 right now. So it's, it's not that none of them are good. It's that a bunch of them are kind of good and there just maybe isn't great teams there. The entire AFC North over 500, the entire AFC West over 500. So it's just any given week. Like if you put all these teams in a tournament and just have them play pulled out of a hat, you could just pull out of a hat the winner too and be like, yeah, okay, this team beat that team. Yeah, sure. Why, why not? That could happen. Yeah, we, we were just talking about how well the Colts are playing and how poorly the Broncos are playing. The Broncos are five and four, and the Colts are four and five. Yeah. So that is just like that tells you about the parity in the AFC right now. Yeah, the Colts are the 12th seed in the AFC right now. <laughs> so, and the Colts are like, you might be like the fourth or fifth best team in the AFC, the way that they're playing. So, another team that's been hot, we're going to talk about their game, but you want to talk about New England. They're only a half game back now in the division. So, right now at BetMGM, plus 425 to win the AFC East. Do you like New England there? Hmm. See, I think the interesting thing is that they still have two games against the Buffalo Bills. Yeah. And that's going to decide everything. And so I think right now I still want to – I don't necessarily want to play it now. They got a tough matchup against the Browns. But I think there's going to be some spots to play play New England as a dog against the Titans, against the Bills. And then obviously they close out with the Jaguars and the Dolphins. So I – I don't necessarily want to take them to win a division, but I do think there's some spots that if you want to take them later, you're essentially playing the same thing. Yeah, I get that. I, I like that play. All right, let's hit a couple of these other early upsets. Just real quick here. Raiders at Giants. This was my favorite play of the week. I love the Raiders here. They went to New York and New York beat them 23 to 16. I don't feel bad about the play here. The Raiders were one in six in the red zone and had three turnovers there. They got to the six, the 14, the seven, and the seven and got no points out of any of those, I think. And they even also had a strip sack on the 13 with 44 seconds left, or they might have sent this to overtime. So Giants didn't really do anything here. I feel like this was maybe the flukiest of these big upsets today. Am I just trying to placate myself here? This was a weird game. Obviously, you had the turnovers. You had Xavier McKinney's two interceptions. And I think that's that's, that's the big thing. It's like when you turn the ball over, that's going to happen. But even coming into this game, I was a little worried. I was a little worried for the, the Raiders just because this, this, the incident with Henry Ruggs, that's a big loss for them. So I don't know if that impacted the team, but I, it's so funny because interesting, I was going into this game and throughout the week, the Giants, we thought they were going to have a COVID outbreak. So they, they actually tested 13 of their players and 13 of them tested positive, including Saquon Barkley. And then it, it turned out that they were false positives. So I actually took the Raiders initially with the minus three thinking that we get a COVID outbreak from the Giants and this line will shoot up. And when that didn't happen, I actually bought back on the Giants, got out of my position. And I, I just completely stayed off this game. So I had, I had no real read coming in. That's interesting. Yeah. Uh, I, I did see breaking during the game today, Deshaun Jackson signed with the Raiders. So that's pretty obviously a, a like for like replacement for rugs. So hopefully they can add his speed dimension there. It is a costly loss for the Raiders. I think if you play this game today again 10 times, I think the Raiders win eight, maybe nine times. So I'm not so worried about them from this game. But we talked before, the Raiders' schedule, it gets pretty tough coming up. This was the gimme game before things really got hard for them. So that entire division is within a half game of each other now. And I do think that this is going to make the Raiders a little bit undervalued. People are just ready to jump off of them. They've been playing pretty well. The defense is playing well. It's a good team, but I think it could be another pretty damaging loss long-term for them. Uh, Your guys, the Dallas Cowboys, coming off the big Sunday night win at home, perfect against the spread, the Denver Broncos that we basically just stopped caring about. And the Broncos come in and just thrash the Cowboys. So it was 30 to nothing with six and a half minutes left. Dallas had had the ball for 13 minutes at that point of the game, and they did get a couple touchdowns late, so 30 to 16. But Broncos plus 10, get the win, plus 375 to the money line. How worried did this make you as a Dallas fan? It didn't make me too worried. I thought it was a a really tough spot for the Cowboys. First, Dak hasn't really played in two weeks because you had the bye week, and then obviously he didn't play last week. So 
There was some rust there. He just had a really, really bad game. And then obviously the Cowboys drove to Denver territory on their first two drives and turned it over on down. So I, I just think we've totally jumped the shark on this. I'm always going for it on fourth down thing. Sometimes you do have to take the points and taking the points could change the course of the game. If it's six, if it's six, nothing there, as opposed to zero, zero, when the, the, the Broncos scored their first touchdown and missed the extra point, it's a tie game. And I think sometimes we forget that, and I'm not really a big fan of momentum, but I do think there's a psychological impact when you go down there and you just, you don't get any points. And I think sometimes these games fire out of control. Yeah, I think that's true. There also was that play early in the second half where Dallas has them pinned back deep. They block the punt and they're about to get the ball ready to score. And then the guy tries to grab it, but it's past the line of scrimmage. And so that just counts as like a fumbled punt basically. And so the Broncos recover and not only get it back, but get a first down out of it because it's a fumble recovery. So, you know, like you said, these games take a life of their own. Sometimes you just don't get the bounces and the Cowboys didn't get the bounces today. So I feel like, they were supposed to lose last week to the Vikings. They had the backups in. They won. Yeah, this just kind of evens back out. Dallas is fine. They're they're in fine shape in the division. Hurts for the one seed chase, but I don't make too much of it for them. Oh yeah, without a doubt. And I, I wish they were kind of kind of a bad omen when you put the red strip in the middle of the helmet after being six and one and seven zero against the spread. Sometimes you got to leave things as is. <laughs> So that is, that's the end of our upsets from the early slate. Two other big upsets we want to just talk about really quickly here. Cardinals and the 49ers. This is a weird one. All week long, this line, Arizona started at minus two and a half. And then slowly started inching towards the pick em. Slowly started San Francisco as a favorite. Ended up closing as Cardinals five and a half point underdogs. And then the Cardinals just took the Niners to the woodshed. 31 to 17. Wasn't honestly even that close. Kyle Shanahan. Like, what are we doing with this guy? Kyle Shanahan is a favorite, 9-22-1 and against the spread, 29% cover rate. He's lost four of the last five outright as a favorite. This season and last, he's 5-10 and straight up as a favorite. So why do we keep making Kyle Shanahan a favorite? What's happening here? I'm not quite sure. I'm going to be honest with you. I was watching the Ravens game, the Ravens and Vikings game in overtime, and by the time I cut this game on, it was over. And it was just the 49ers, they, they were – Two and a half point underdogs. You could get some threes in some spots. They closed at minus five and a half. You got so much closing line value. And I think Stucky said it on, on, on Twitter. It was just like, once you saw this line close five and a half, you knew it was a kiss of death. Yeah. The public's piling on and they were going to lose. And it just never was yeah. a contest. That, I don't even think I, I'm going to be honest with you. I, I didn't watch a single second of this game because as soon as I cut it on, you're down 14, nothing. And the Cardinals don't, they're doing trick plays. It's, it's just, it was a mess. Yeah, that's exactly what I thought too. Is this, this line kept moving, moving, moving. And then also like all the people's contests that locked in the middle of the week. And so there, everyone is getting the 49ers as underdogs still. So, you know, everybody's taking the Niners in that spot. You have to, you have to take all the value that's there. Kyler Murray didn't play. Nuke didn't play. AJ Green didn't play. Chase Edmonds went out like in the first quarter with an injury. That's the entire offense. That's the whole first string. J.J. Watt is out. Like, you have to take San Francisco. You have to like them in that spot. And, yeah, when I, when I saw all that happening and just knew where this was headed, I was like, oh, man, I can't believe when they got to five and a half that I was too dumb to remember to bet against Cal Shanahan in the spot. And this is against the public and where all the momentum was so obviously heading. It's just how it goes. The Niners are 0-4 at home. They can't win as favorites. And yet somehow they're an underdog Monday night next week against the Rams. And it's probably gonna be a great spot for the 49ers to bounce back. Cause that's how the NFL goes one week. Then you wipe the slate clean and do something totally different the next week. I think the interesting thing is that we did the Rams losing in the fashion that they did. We actually saw this line stabilize because otherwise this would have gone through the roof. So I'm not sure we're going to see the value that we thought we'd see. Yeah, that's true. So last one, like you said, the Rams Sunday night Titans, 28, 16, not that close. The Rams were never in this game. Uh, Matt Stafford went full Carson Wentz, falling down in the end zone, throws the interception, and nearly a pick six. They get a touchdown, the Titans do. The Rams get the ball back, and the very next play, Stafford throws an actual pick six. And so that was basically the game, I thought. Those two plays were the entire game. The Titans actually only had 195 yards the entire game. So it's not like this was a dominant performance by their offense. 
What do you think about the Titans defense though? This team keeps showing up and I wrote them off early, but man, they're playing well. Yeah, they're really playing well. Obviously, I think one of the big things that I'm seeing is they're actually, they have a pass rush and they got the Matthew Stafford five times. So I, I think that was big. That caused some pressure. And this team, the Rams, they had nine points through like four quarters. So I got to give the Titans some credit. They've run through a murderous row of opposing teams. And you looked at them, they, they played the Bills, they beat them, they beat the Chiefs, they beat the Colts who were playing really well. And then they, they go ahead and beat the Rams. So two straight road games and they found a way to win. And, you know, I think this line was one of those lines that really got to people because this line was four and a half. It moves two and a half points on the loss of Derrick Henry. I know in today's NFL, a lot of people think that running backs don't mean anything, but the market actually believed that Derrick Henry was worth two and a half points and the whole public's all over the Rams and the Rams completely no show. So got to give the Titans some credit. Yeah. I mean, we, we should have known to be careful when the line moved that much. A lot of starting quarterbacks don't move the line two and a half points when they're out. So, you know, they did get Adrian Peterson, Peterson, his 119th career rushing touchdown. My guy, only 45 more to catch Emmett Smith, you know, just play another couple decades. Maybe he'll get there. But yeah, Titans defense, really good. Jeffrey Simmons had three sacks. Denico Opry had a one and a half sacks. Kevin Byard had the pick six. Defense looks good. And it's been looking really good the last few weeks. Somehow we reached the midpoint of the season. And I think that Mike Vrabel or Cliff Kingsbury is the coach of the year. I don't know which one. And how did this happen? Like, I feel like I'm just, I'm just going to go down with the ship. If this is the world we live in and the, the Titans Cardinals, that awful week one game that we saw, if that was the Super Bowl preview and these are just the two best teams on the one seeds going wire to wire, I'm just going down with it. I guess I'm just going to lose to all the times. Like I can't get there. Like, am I crazy on this or is it time to come around on these, these coaches? I don't know if it's time to come, uh, come around on them. Obviously our podcast producer, Matt Mitchell <laughs> will tell you that. The, the Cardinals, they benefited from some turnovers from the 49ers and fumbles. And the Titans, I just, I still don't know what to make of this team right now. But they have an easy schedule. So Mike Vrabel has a shot. And the defense is actually playing the best it has in the Mike Vrabel era. But I think there's going to be some bias towards Bill Belichick, especially if they could find a way to win the AFC East or get into the playoffs with a rookie quarterback. Belichick's going to have a shot. And Obviously, they lose Tom Brady last year. They lose they lose the most players to COVID absences in the NFL. And if he can bring this team to the playoffs, I think Belichick is he's probably going to get some bias from the media. Yeah, I mean Belichick certainly always should be in the race for that. But yeah, Titans seven and two. They're the one seed right now. And like you said, the schedule is crazy easy. They play the Saints next week. That might be the hardest game left on the schedule. They still play the Texans. They still play the Jaguars and the, and the Dolphins. They play the Texans again later. Uh, you know, they play the Patriots or the Steelers. They're like, those are the games that are the hardest ones left on the schedule. They don't have to play the Colts anymore. Like, they're done with that. So th- this really opens up for them. If, if, they can, if the defense keeps playing this well and Julio Jones looked healthy again for the first time in a while, A.J. Brown's definitely healthy. It's not the team it was with Derrick Henry, but... I don't know. It might be some time to, time to give them a little credit. They have a tiebreak against the Bills also, which could matter for AFC positioning. You know, I, I don't know that I believe in them, but they have a pretty good shot at this point at, at getting to the one seed uh, coming out of that division. If you're the one seed, you got to give them a chance. You, you get to skip one of the games and have home field to get to the Super Bowl. So they, they could be in play. Do you think the Titans have a shot at the Super Bowl here? I do think I, I, if you win the one seed, you have a shot. And I think the best way to do it is to win the division and obviously beating the, the second best team in the division twice already. So I think one of, one of the things I always like to bet is if a team makes the one seed, teams have a bye, they typically win that first game more often than not. And one of the more underrated things is that we can see Derrick Henry in the playoffs. And getting that bye week, it just gives them another week to be healthy. And I think the interesting thing is one of the reasons why people were fading the Titans today was because we thought they lost their identity in the play action pass. And I didn't see them really lose their identity. No. Still, they still rush the ball and they're still able to operate in the play action passing game. So this team has a shot. Yeah. We were both really low on the Titans comparatively because we were worried about Arthur Smith being gone credit to Downing too. He's really, 
you know, it was, it was not what we liked early the first few weeks, but he's really got that offense grinding well. Like he gets credit, I think, for keeping that identity, keeping them doing what they're doing. Play action still opening up. Tannehill still playing well. So we'll see. We'll see what's happening there. Uh, that That's the last for upsets. So let's hit the rest of Sunday's action to wrap up week nine. What was supposed to be the game of the week between the Chiefs and the Packers was an absolute dud. Chiefs won 13 to seven in a snoozer. Jordan Love made his debut. Not good. But somehow to shot doing anyways, because the Chiefs offense just has completely disappeared. Kansas City averaged 3.8 yards per play. Chiefs games have gone under four straight by more than 20 points a game. Kansas City fails to cover at home for an eighth straight game. And the Chiefs have now covered four of 20 in their last games. So Chiefs get the win, but still not looking good doing it. Justin Herbert bounced back. Big game. 32 of 38, 356 yards and two scores, led the late game-winning field goal drive. Chargers beat the Eagles 27-24. Philly ran all game. They had scoring drives of 10, 16, 10, 10 plays, but it wasn't quite enough. The Chargers had the ball last and got the win. Rough beat if you were an under better here, 10-7 at the half, but we had four straight touchdowns in the second half, and then that Dustin Hopkins kick covered for the Chargers and hit the over. Uh, we mentioned Bill Belichick. 4-0 lifetime against Sam Darnold. Belichick has beaten Sam Darnold by 35, 33, 14, and now 18 today. Darnold had an interception on three straight possessions, including a pick six. Panthers did get Christian McCaffrey back, though. 24-6 for New England. And Tua was a surprise scratch for Miami. Both Raheem and I were big on the Texans all week. Tyrod Taylor finally back. He was terrible. Jacoby Brissett came in. Ugly, ugly, ugly game. 17-9 Miami, way under. Miami gets the win in the cover. Nine turnovers in this game. Five interceptions and four lost fumbles. Ugly game. Sometimes that's how football goes. All right, let's hear a quick word from our sponsor and get to Monday Night Football. The Action Network podcast is proudly presented by BetMGM. And to celebrate the 2021 NFL season, BetMGM is offering a great sign-up offer for our listeners, a $1,000 risk-free first bet. You just open an account at BetMGM and make your first deposit. Then make your first bet. If that bet wins, the money is yours. And if your bet doesn't win, BetMGM will refund you in free bets up to $1,000. It's that simple. To get started, just click on the link in this episode description. BetMGM has been a great podcast partner, and they've got all the best features for NFL betting, like live betting and daily odds boosts. Plus, BetMGM is compatible with our BetSync technology, so when you place a wager at BetMGM, that bet can automatically be tracked in your action app. So open an account today and make your first bet risk-free up to $1,000. Just click on the link in this episode description to get started. Must be 21 or older and physically located in Michigan, New Jersey, Colorado, Indiana, West Virginia, Iowa, Virginia, Tennessee, Nevada, or Pennsylvania. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado and Nevada. 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. 1-800-270-7117 in Michigan. 1-800-889-9789 in Tennessee. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. Or 1-888-532-3500 in Virginia. BetSync not available in Nevada. Thanks so much for listening. Let's get back to the show. All right, Monday night. Speaking of ugly games, Chicago Bears at Pittsburgh Steelers. Pittsburgh is a six and a half point favorite. The total for this game, 38.5 right now. I don't recall seeing a Monday night game with a total like this in a long time. What do you think? We've been talking about the Bears on this one all week. Are you still liking Chicago here? I still like the Bears. They're getting plus seven now. This line actually went up. But you have a low total of 38. Ozmakers are telling us that points are going to be at a premium. So I really like the Bears given that. But how can you lay seven points with the offense with Ben Roethlisberger? This offense is just 23rd in EPA play, 31st success rate, 32nd in dropback success rate, and 28th in rushing success rate. They can't run or pass. They don't generate a ton of explosive plays. They're 20th in explosive run play rate and 28th in explosive pass play rate. So I, I just – seven points is a lot of points here. Obviously, a lot of underdogs have covered, so I think you're going to have a lot of the public just looking to back 
the Steelers on a, on a bailout game. But I, I just I like the Bears in this spot. I think Justin Fields is improving. And you look at the Steelers. They're 0-3 as a favorite this season. They, they lost outright as five-and-a-half-point favorites, home favorites against the Raiders. They lost as two-and-a-half-point home favorites against the Bengals. And it's not like the, the, the Bengals or the Ravens are, are – Bengals or the Raiders are that great. So this is just too too many points. I'm going to go with the Bears. Yeah, I like the Bears here. I think that the matchup sort of favors them a little bit. The Bears have been not so good against the run on defense, but Pittsburgh can't run the ball that well. Their line still hasn't been blocking. And Pittsburgh is elite pass defense. Chicago can't really pass anyway. So that's not really that big of a deal. And then the Bears will run the ball. Montgomery looks like he might be back for this game. So that'd be big for Chicago. They. They've been running well. Fields, I think, had his best game last week as a pro. So, yeah, I just think seven points is, is just too much. When when the line is this low and the total is this low, I just don't think we're going to get a lot of scoring here. So I, I noticed Bears games this season are averaging 39.8 points a game. Steelers games, 37.7 points a game. So the Steelers have yet to have a game with more than 46 points. This line, this total is pretty low, but would you think about taking the under even as low as it is here with as, as little scoring as these teams are playing in? I, I never want to give out a number that's moved already. So yeah. I, I think it's so low that you can kind of cough or sneeze and get over it. Like even when you looked at that Seattle <laughs> and, and Pittsburgh game that we saw a couple of weeks ago, that game went over the total. So I think this keeps creeping down. I'm going, I'm, I'm having an appetite for the over. Yeah, that makes sense to me. We talked a lot too about Mike Tomlin. You take Mike Tomlin as an underdog, you fade him as a big favorite. The Steelers just have, uh, they just like to play down to these sort of teams. So Tomlin, according to Bet Labs, Tomlin has more than a field goal favorite, 54, 69, and a one against the spread. So only covering 44% of the time. And he's on a five game losing streak against the spread. Three of those games lost outright as a favorite of more than a field goal. So that's my last question for you here. Seven points is a prime spot as a home favorite for a teaser. Or, you know, would you tease Pittsburgh here and count on them to get the win? Do you think Chicago at like a plus 225 money line, do you think that they have a chance? Would you play either side there? I'd be looking to play Chicago. I think Chicago's live in this spot. And obviously, if Khalil Matt comes back, I, I like it even more. So the way these underdogs have covered this week, I see no reason not to take a flyer on, on Chicago here. Yeah, I agree. I, I'm not going to put too much on it, but I think we both like Chicago to cover. And look, it's just math at that point. If there's only 38, 40 points in the game and Chicago is within a score, we're looking at like 20 to 16 or, you know, 1917, just one of those ugly, who knows what happens games. And it probably just comes down to, you know, a fluke interception that bounced off a guy's hands or, a kick that goes off the crossbar or missed extra point or something. So I think this could be a spot where, you know, when you look at the implied odds, plus 225 is 31%. I don't think Pittsburgh necessarily wins this game more than two out of three times here. So I think there's a little value there. I think we both like Chicago to get the cover as our best play. Do you agree? Oh yeah, without a doubt. All right, let's get out of here with our week 10 hot read. Get some early picks for next week. Hot rock! Who do you like on the week 10 hot read? I'm going with the Minnesota Vikings plus three. I know we spoke earlier about how the Vikings continue to implode week after week, but that doesn't make them exempt from covering spreads. They covered the spread against the Baltimore Ravens on Sunday afternoon. Look, the Osmakers open this line is three. My model actually makes this close to a pick em. And when you look at this Chargers team, they're a mess defensively. Right now, they've had injuries to Asante Samuel Jr., Michael Davis, and I don't know how they're going to deal with Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen. And I know what you're thinking. Mike Zimmer is super conservative, and his super conservative ways might actually play right into – he might luck into a winning strategy because this Chargers run defense is dead last in rushing EPA, dead last in rushing success rate. They allow 51.7% of rushing plays to grade out as successful. I'm expecting Dalvin Cook to have a big day. My model makes this game close to a pick. I think this line's going to go down. So you want to go grab that three. I think there's some two and a half in the market. I'd probably buy this up if you get a cheap buy at minus 120 or so. 
And then we, we spoke all the time about the Chargers. They struggle on early downs. There's 25th in early down success rate. And they made their living on, on third and fourth downs, which is what they did against the Eagles on Sunday afternoon. So give me the Vikings here. I think they might even have a chance to win this game outright. I mean, I hope you're right. I have no idea what to make of either of these teams. So I'm just going to let you t- take the lead on that one. I'm going to go with the Colts at home against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, ten and a half point favorites. Indianapolis is right back in the exact same spot that they were this week. They were double-digit favorites against the Jets. The Jets were coming off this huge upset win and then just came and it's like the, the line was not as high as it should have been because we just seen this big upset win. So I think that's the case with the Jags too after beating the Bills. I think this line is going to end up getting closer to two touchdowns uh, by the time we get to kick off. Teams that were double-digit favorites and got the upset win, when they stay underdogs the following game, they're 15 and 28 against the spread. So 35% and only one and seven against the spread when they're double-digit underdogs again. The Colts just got that trend. That was this week. And I know that the Jets almost ended up covering with that crazy Thursday night late game, but Colts get the extra rest this week. Urban Myers guys are coming off an emotional win. Their big win to save the season, you know, over Buffalo. I just think that, you know, Indianapolis, the way they play with good defense and running the ball, that just is a good setup for beating up on bad teams. The Jaguars are still a bad team. I like Indianapolis big here. Oh, yeah, I like that. I think it's a good spot for them, especially with them coming off the Thursday night. It's like I one of the things I like to do is I like to price that almost like a half of a bye week so this team gets rested up. Yep. The Colts have to win this game. They're four and five on a year, and this is this is their season. So I, I like it. All right, what's your other high read? I'm going to go with the Dallas Cowboys, Atlanta Falcons over 52. I think my model makes this closer to around 54. So I think you're getting some value there. Obviously, Dak, has, he missed a couple of weeks, and now he's back. I, he's going to play a, a, a much better game against this Falcons defense, which really can't stop anybody. We, we saw them give up 20-plus points to Trevor Simeon. But this, this Cowboys offense is much, much better than what we saw last week. And I, I, think you have a, I think you have a shootout on deck. So I'm going to go with that. I can see that. Definitely time for the Cowboys offense to bounce back a little bit. I'm going ugly on my last pick here, but I know that you're going to like it because this was your pick on Friday. I'm going to back you here. The Detroit Lions on the road in Pittsburgh, nine and a half point favorites right now. I'm betting that one Monday before the Monday night game. Look, we just talked about the Steelers. This the, Pittsburgh's offense is just not playing well right now. They're not scoring a lot of points. They should not be, you know, basically double digit favorites against anyone right now. So I think this line should be under a touchdown. Honestly, I'd put it like around six, six and a half if I was setting it. Um, The Lions, I think there's a chance, you know, like we said, Pittsburgh could lose to Chicago. And if they do, this line is definitely going to move. Even though it's just kind of another ugly looking game, it's easy to see the line moving towards Detroit a little bit. So another trend here for you, Detroit obviously still hasn't got their win. I'm not saying they're going to win the game here. They just need to cover. Jared Goff has been great at the backdoor cover. So if you take winless teams facing winning teams that aren't unbeaten, which obviously that's the, the Steelers right now. I think they're five and four. Those teams after week four, 63, 38 and two against the spread. So 62% cover there. The Lions just, it's, it's too many points. The Lions haven't been that bad. They're playing decently. They're fighting hard. You know, again, Mike Tomlin as a big favorite, playing down to the opponents. It's all the same stuff that we're seeing with this game. It's a short week for Pittsburgh, Detroit coming off a bye. I like the Lions. It's ugly, but it's just too many points. Oh, yeah. You know, I totally agree with you. I just and I, I think the, the, the reasons are pretty similar to why I like the Bears on Monday night. I, like you just don't want to lay big points with this offense. I think one thing before we get out of here, one of the things that you want to look at next week is. And I'm not really necessarily there yet, but this Philadelphia Eagles team, they'll be playing a Broncos team, which is lost. They're banged up on the offensive line. They lost glass now with an injury. They lost right tackle um, Bobby Macy with an injury. So I know a, a lot of people are going to be betting the Broncos because of that big win over the Cowboys, but I want you to tread lightly. And I think this line goes with the three. We're going to be looking to play the Eagles. Yeah, I have my eye on the Eagles a little bit. They suddenly in the last two weeks decided, hey, I think we're a running team. 
And early in the season, I kept noticing like their DVOA running was out, has been top five the entire season. Even with Miles Sanders out, they're still running well. And last week, they ran like 40 times on the Lions, ran all over them. So I, I thought the Chargers were the right pick today and they ended up being just barely the right pick. But I wondered, would the Eagles just run all game? And they kind of did that again. So Jalen Hurts, the way this team is set up, I don't know, I kind of not ready to count the Eagles completely out. I, I sort of like the identity that they're building for themselves. Yeah, there's, there's been, there's been signif- there's a, a, a betting syndicate out in Europe who's been betting the Eagles four or five weeks straight. I mean, literally every single week. There was, like, I was talking with somebody on Twitter today. They were making a joke about how the Eagles betting syndicate has to learn to time their bets a little bit better because it's possible they could have got a, a three and a half. But they've been moving early. So be on the lookout for this. If this line gets to three, you might want to take the Eagles next week. All right, a little bonus hot read for you there. So. That is going to wrap it up today at the Action Network podcast. Please rate, subscribe, and review the podcast if you haven't yet. Stucky and Raybon are back Wednesday night with their six-pack betting guide. Raheem and I are back Friday to run through the slate, look at our three big games of the week, and preview them, get the look ahead for you. For Raheem Palmer, I am Brandon Anderson. This has been the Action Network podcast. We are on to week 10.